0: G'day, beer lovers. I'm Pete Mitchum, co-host of Brews News Week, and it is my pleasure to present this very special edition of Radio Brews News Live. During the recent Good Beer Week in Melbourne, the Cryer Malt trade hub at Beer Deluxe was once again a focus for the brewing industry, with a number of important trade discussions taking place. And thanks to our good friends at Kegstar, Brews News was able to be there to record some of those panels, and we're proud to present these discussions. This particular panel, held just hours before the Australian International Beer Awards presentation dinner, was a rare insight into how awards like the AIBAs work, who runs them and how, and what value is gained by both the brewer and the brewer's customers. It's an opportunity to see behind the curtain of secrecy that shades the AIBAs from the public eye and shows how the beers are entered, how they're catalogued, stewarded and judged and the process of awarding medals and trophies. We hear from a range of stakeholders and learn the process behind the judging process from the industry advisory panel, which works with the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria to ensure the awards process is impartial and fair and up to date with evolving trends and also from brewers from both large and small scale breweries. The discussion moves from the science and art of tasting through to the entry system, the judging process itself, and how points are awarded and how the champions are determined. We then look at the benefits to the brewers who win, the lessons to be learned from those who fail to excite the judges, and the extended benefits in terms of marketing and promoting beer that awards can provide. The panel consists of Tina Panutzis, a legend in the field of sensory perception, and a member of the advisory panel. It also includes Ian Morgan, head brewer at Mountain Goat, and Samara Fuss, the champion gypsy brewer and co-founder and owner of Filter Brewing. Enjoy the conversation. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Pete Mitchum uh, from Australian Brews News. I'm also known as Professor Pilsner, which is a completely made-up title. There's absolutely no resemblance to anything even vaguely academic whatsoever. But as the t-shirt says, I drink beer and I know things. Luckily, most of what I know about concerns beer, which has helped me in my career. Uh, And the bits that I don't know, I rely on my good friends, colleagues and experts in the trade to fill in the gaps for me. Let's introduce the panel without any further ado. From Mountain Goat, please welcome Ian Morgan. From the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria, Australian International Beer Awards, Industry Advisory panel, Jeez. and from CUB, just you want to see the size of a <laughs> business card. Tina Panuzis. <laughs> and some flog from Filter, and from Filter Brewing. Would you please welcome one of uh, a long-standing and one of the first female judges at the Australian International Beer Awards, Sam Fuss. <laughs> <laughs> so the topic today: what makes a gold medal beer? I would put dollars to donuts on the fact that everyone who is listening to this and everyone who's in the room today thinks they've got a pretty good palate. Beer has been around for as long as we have, um, in, in, you know, modern civilization in Australia. It's been the drink of choice, it's perfect for our climate, that sort of thing. If you say to somebody, what do you oh, I like a beer, what do you like? Oh, you know, I, I can tell you what's good about it. But there's a lot more to that. Who wants to kick us off? Maybe Tina, talk us through, without, I guess, blinding everyone with technical science... But what goes into the basic premise of of tasting beer?
1: Uh, I think the the one thing that really goes into um, tasting beer and enjoying it is uh, picking up a glass and smelling it first off. I think the one thing that we tend to do subconsciously with different beverages is take a different approach. So most people pick up a glass and Um, take it straight to the lips which is okay if that's what you want to do but you lose out on a portion of the the aroma and the smell so sometimes it's it's time that you take to enjoy and to taste and to smell the beer Um, what makes it you know award-winning or what makes it worthy of um, drinking I think A lot of it comes down to your personal choice and what you like and you dislike. No one should, you know, dictate that that's a good or a bad beer. That's your personal choice. And just enjoying it for the the experience that it gives you. And I've always said don't stick to the one beer. For every occasion, swap and change because that's where you sort of get the most out of a number of different flavours and smells.
0: And just really quickly, Tina, before we move on, do pellets differ between ages, between races, between sexes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the ability to be able to smell and taste um, is an evolution and sometimes... It, you know, like it, uh, after a certain age, it does uh, diminish. Um, science tells us that our senses um, start to diminish as far as our taste buds. We lose the ability to proliferate our taste buds after about the age of 65, 70. Not totally, like we don't lose all sense of smell and taste, but it does start uh, slow down and eventually stop. Um, the other thing too is that we all evolve in our uh, palate preferences. We'll start off with... Sometimes, you know, what they call the vanilla or the beige spectrum and everything's simple and um, subdued or whatever and then we start to explore different flavours and you can see this within beer and brewing and the styles that are out there now that you have an evolution of people's um, preferences and likes that they might start off with one beer and then look and search for something else and then evolve their palate preferences based on beer but also based on other influences like food, like other beverages travel and stuff like that, you start to experience more and you expand your your preferences.
0: And is it not too much of a stretch to describe the palate as just another muscle in the body and the more exercise you give it or the more... Well, I shouldn't say exercise you give it, you know, the more you drink, but can you develop... Your palate in the same way as you can develop other yeah, elements of course. In you, your physique.
1: One of the things that ties in with that is your ability to be able to describe it. And I know a lot of people say that females or women are really um, acute and are, are really good tasters. But I think it also ladders in the one factor that we have to remember is that um, women have an ability, a, a different ability, or different interest in articulating what they smell and they taste and they see and everything like that. So our the, maybe the the terms that we might use is a bit more expansive when it comes to beer. But people do develop that um, the ability to smell new things, taste new things and even describe them. So that broadens your experience and your capability.
0: Thanks very much, And I just thought it's, it's important to lay down, I guess, a bit of a base about... when we, So when we get into talking about judging, we've kind of set the levels on... Um, I guess dismissing some of those myths, that it's all just about you know professional um, palates are the only ones or you know professional tasters are the only ones, really who can judge a beer and really what do these judges know. So, to your point before, yeah. the
1: professional judges and tasters actually exercise that muscle more frequently. So that's where you know the difference might lie, but it doesn't mean that no-one can do it or it, it means that everyone can do it.
0: Yep, you just need to drink more. Yep. I mean more. Taste more. Taste more. <laughs> um, so now in its 27th year... The Australian International Beer Awards is not only proudly the world's largest annual uh, beer awards. Uh, I think we've got over two, between about two thousand three hundred entries nearly this year, 2, up nearly two thousand four hundred, which is up from under two thousand last year. So a big, a great jump this year. Um, we're talking over twenty-seven countries entered beers from I think two hundred and seventy different breweries. Three hundred and fifty breweries. Thank you, Tina. And uh, how many judges, Tina? Come on, uh, smart ass. 68 judges.
1: 68. And about yeah. associate
0: judges. Beautifully done. Uh, so it's um, as I say, very proudly, uh, it's been conducted by the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria. Most of you would know the RASV as the conveners. Or I guess most people would associate it with the Royal Melbourne Show. Yep. Um, but certainly, so much more to it with coffee awards, beer awards, um, distilled spirit awards, wine awards, fine foods, all sorts of other things. So now we get into let's let the rubber hit the road. So what makes a gold medal winning beer? Ian Morgan, Mountain yes. Goat. You've been there quite a while. Mountain Goat has been around 24 years now. 22, 22 years. years. 22 years.
2: Uh, Your numbers are well out, Pete. Currently,
0: currently, uh, the holder of the title of Champion Australian Large Brewery. Yeah, for a few more hours,
3: we're holding on to that uh, <laughs> with a tight grasp. Until t- about, t-
0: till time about 10 o'clock tonight. But you never know. You could go back to back.
3: You never know. First
0: of all, what's the um, the process and the reasoning behind Mountain Goat entering beers into the Australian National Beer
3: Awards? Well, I think it's important for us at, at Mountain Goat, I think at any brewery, um, kind of to expand on what Tina was saying, we do taste our beers all the time. Um, it isn't just the brewers tasting beer. We make sure we involve everyone from front of house staff in the tap room, um, our administrative staff upstairs, just to get people exercising that, that, uh, that skill. Um, but to get them into the awards and have them... Um, put in front of 68 plus 13 associate judges, um, that broader spectrum of, of palettes and expertise and get some um, very objective feedback. All the awards, they're, they're double-blinded. Um, it wasn't too long ago when you could actually see the catalog number, um, and that's changed now to give the entries complete anonymity. It's kind of a... I I do miss that a bit because occasionally you come across a beer that was really interesting or you're like, what is that? And you'd scribble it down and then you could find out in the night what you were drinking. Um, Now you have to ask the stewards, I suppose, uh, afterwards, after the awards. Um, So that that level of anonymity is really important. Um, You're judging the beer entirely on what's presented to you. There's no bias in terms of I like that brewery. I like the person who made it. I like the label. I like the kind of vessel that it came in. Um, Cans, bottles, draft, they're all presented to you without any distinction. There used to be a separate um, packaged and separate draft uh, competition at two different locations. Um, So for us to get that completely anonymous objective feedback uh, allows us to go back and build on that with our brewing process. Take that feedback on board. What can we improve? What's working for us? Um, So
0: you're you're still tasting, you're assessing, um, monitoring your beer... All it stages through before it before it leaves the brewery. Yes, you then have uh, I guess um, stock retention where you'll take samples from yep. a particular batch one week, two weeks, three weeks yep. later. So you're still testing, mm-hmm. but then you're still keen to send beers to total strangers.
3: Total strangers. Well, not, not respected peers,
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but to have that beer judged here yeah, with no no label, no package detail. Right. Um, how often does it? I guess your internal. Um, testing, measure up with the results that you get back. That's a good question.
3: Um, it it's usually well, obviously you're biased <laughs> for your own, uh, your own beers, your your babies. Uh, that that's because you, send what out I ask, there the you world. do get
0: that what we yeah. call house blindness. No, it's
3: exactly. Yeah, house what, house I think there's a house flavor um, term in German. Um, yeah, you get that house blindness. You're tasting those beers all the time, so you can you you can uh, it does pull you up sometimes on things that you're blind to. Um, you try to recognize, as, when you're doing lots of tasting, you can be oblivious to to a fault. Um, I know one of our brewers is, is super sensitive to sulfur. That, that extra sensitivity, as well as an absence of being able to assess, um, we've got another brewer who has trouble picking up DMS, that um, cooked corn sort of flavor it can get. Um, so knowing that one guy picks up sulfur on everything, and most people can't, and one person's not going to pick up DMS on anything... Um, Sometimes that can you, you discover new little quirks in your tasting panel and uh, the feedback from AIBA allows you to make those adjustments.
0: Sam, as an experienced judge, talk us through, for those who haven't been in the, the Inner Sanctum, um, talk us through, the, I guess, the mechanics of, um, of how the, the judging works. So you're, you're sitting down, describe how it works. Panel of five.
2: Yeah, I think, I think it, it actually starts before you sit down. I know a lot of us take time out, um, you know, whether it's a week or so beforehand to be really delicate with our palates, um, not drink too much, not to, you know, go too overboard with different different types of food and stuff like that. Um, because what we're doing is we're getting our palates ready to for those three days of of you know, head down ass up of um of tasting. So that's where it actually starts, definitely beforehand. Then we come in, um, you get assigned your your table, your table captain, um, which will generally generally be one of the you know obviously the someone probably a little more skilled in the area, and 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 not just that, but somebody that can actually manage the table because you've got a lot of different palettes, you've got a lot of different minds, you've got a lot of different personalities, um, and uh, on that table, so. Um, that's really important for that person to be able to run that table properly and be able to get through all the beers. On our first day this year, I think we did 70, 70 beers. Yeah. yeah, so that's a lot of beers, and you've got to get through that day. We started at 8:30 in the morning and we finished about 6:30 at night. That's a big day, and that's a lot of palate fatigue. So you you got to really manage that table and 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 make sure you're giving everyone the breaks where they need to go and and everything on like that. But first um, first beers that come out will generally be a um, a sensory beer, so a, a um, What's the word? Right. Calibration beer. Uh, and every single table will get that. And that kind of – that's a beer. It's um, it, it it won't have faults. It won't be too over the top. It won't be, um, you know, I think nothing out of the ordinary. But what it will do, it will wash your coffee away and it will wash what you've had for breakfast and it will just kind of cleanse your palate a little bit. And then we sit down and talk about it, uh, talk about that particular beer, what we thought about it. So it's almost like fake judging our first beer. So we just try and make sure that everyone on the table is aligned – so we score it and we score out of 20 but we score it in five five different categories um, and that starts with uh, appearance, aroma, flavour, body, uh, technical and style. So we all just kind of make sure that the whole table is aligned on that. If you've got an outlier on there then we need to kind of figure out what's going to happen with that, li- that outlier. If someone's giving it really high marks, if the whole table are giving it high marks and someone gives it a, gives it a low mark, we've got to kind of – we've got to bring that back into to a reasonable section. Otherwise, the whole day is going to end up being probably a bit like that.
0: And some people, to that point, some people can be, okay, I'm going to be a bit critical. Like, if, uh, as Ian said, if you're particularly sensitive to a particular yep. element of a beer, yep. you might be a little harsher than, than is fair and likewise you might be a bit too generous and the calibration beer sort of sorts out who's
3: yep. where yep.
0: and, okay, yeah, you can probably be a little bit more generous. You've taken a whole mark off maybe you could have taken half a mark, that yeah. sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's yeah. A yeah, definitely. very much a discussion-based yeah. process. and it's
2: making sure everyone's aligned on the table. Um, then we move into our first round um, and we'll generally have the morning's paper in front of us of what we're going to judge um, and that'll tell us all the styles that we'll be judging. I would say generally most tables would have, um, you know, your lagers and your your kind of more basic styles first but in saying that, those lagers are probably the hardest to judge because there's nowhere to hide behind a lager. Um, and But you've got different categories of lagers. So you've got Australasian lagers and you've got European and then you've got your Americans. Uh, you've got uh, reduced alcohol, New World, all sorts of things. Um, so that's uh, – um, and that gets spread out to different tables. So not one table will get all of those categories. So we may get – For breakfast, uh, (laughs) our breakfast round, maybe, uh, you know, I'd say maybe 25 to 30, uh, like this year it was 25 to 30 um, lager, basic style, um, steam ale kind of beers and then just before lunch we did another, oh no it wasn't 30, but before lunch I think we did 20, or maybe it was after, I can't, anyway, barrel aged beers. Yeah, it was a long three days, and then we do barrel aged beers, and then we've got to try and split those barrel aged beers. And then in the afternoon, generally when your palate's kind of fattened up a bit, you know, you're you're kind of starting to get your wheels in motion. Well, I mean, you get it. That happens a long time earlier, but you get into the real bigger beers, um, where you're starting to pick out the, um, you know, high alcohol, uh, and you've got to keep your you've got to keep your wheels on. As well, uh, in, those, in those particular times too, because you're judging anywhere between 8 to 12% beers, somewhere even higher, and you might do 20 of those in a flight.
1: I was just going to say too, a lot of times the pace is different. So the pace, as Sam was saying, the pace at the beginning of the day is very different and it's up to the table captain a lot of times to really regulate that and remind people that, you know, um, and the judges to judge their 30th beer as equally as what they were judging their first, second, third, fourth and, and the breaks and everything are adjusted accordingly so that we make sure that everyone's on their A game and giving every beer the the, right, the same merit and same approach as what they did at the beginning of the day as what they do at the end. And that's why, to your point, exercising, you know, getting people that have done this quite regularly within the industry and do this either within their own breweries or as part of another different forum, um, people sort of have the ability to be acute and attuned to what they're doing and make sure that the bees are judged um, as equally as possible because people put that in... You know, that's their heart and soul. And
0: that's also about building integrity and I think the one thing that the RASV has done through the Australian International Beer Awards is ensured multiple levels and like to Ian's point, we don't have a catalogue number anymore, it's now just a, a tasting order. So, the beers that you get from 1 to 25 in that first session could be numbered 3392 through to, you know, at all random four digit numbers but they're all listed as the first beer, second beer, third beer, fourth beer. So, there's to Ian's point, you might remember putting labels on 24 of your beers and, re- and remembering that number and then, you know, seeing that pop up. Um, that's, that's removed as well. So it's important to state that um, there's integrity built into every level of the judging process uh, and I think that's why so many international brewers send their beers over. And I've noticed too there's a lot of beer uh, brewers I've spoken to over Good Beer Weeks over the last few years who don't actually sell their beer into Australia so you think, well, why are you why are you sending them in to, to win Australian awards? But it's because that respect benchmarking your beers not just against how you did last year, but against how who else brews, you know, a, a mid-strength tropical style lager and how to mine rack up against there. And that's probably something that the brewers again can share. Um, we've I hope hopefully we've covered off um, the integrity of the the way the awards are run, and during the, the Q&A time, if there's anything we've missed or anything that you'd like clarified, please feel free to ask, but we might move into, I guess... The... Well,
2: it's just probably... Just no. on the end of that, yeah. it is probably worth noting that the team behind the scenes will make sure absolutely that no-one judges their own beer. That's really difficult. I can imagine that would be a really hard, uh, logistic little little job, but um, I've, I don't think I've ever judged my own beer. Um, and, look, I don't know if I'd even pick it Amongst all the others, uh, so that's that's another thing. I get asked that question a lot. If you reckon though,
0: if you reckon, I'm pretty sure this is my beer. Would you, a, judge it more harshly, b, give it a big up, or c, refrain from?
2: I judged a I judged a champion round, a trophy round a few years back, and I recognised one of the beers, so I took myself out of it. Yep. I said I'm not gonna, I can't sit on this because I'm going, I'm going to be biased towards it because I loved it so that's that's probably the right thing to do, but on the other hand of that, I should have probably been more professional and said no, judge it for its merits and exactly what it is so there's two sides of that you know you've got to really you really have to step away from um, your your personal uh, your personal kind of feelings towards a beer whether you i I'm not a big fan of wheat beers, but I might sit there and and uh, you know have to judge thirty wheat beers, and I'll be absolutely dedicated to those beers that are sitting in front of me even though I'm not a fan but I would judge them exactly as they should be judged because as Tina said you know it's everybody's little baby everyone is putting their little baby in and it's not you know you're paying a couple of hundred bucks to put a uh, put a beer in and, and you don't just want to get oh I don't like this style and I don't like this so it's really important to take away your you almost turn into another person I guess on those those three days where you're just completely objective to to what's happening
0: Yep. so Sam sorry to um as As we said before, until 10 o'clock tonight, you are the reigning champion gypsy brewer at the Australian International Beer Awards, which again, you could could still go back to back, but as of now, you are the reigning champion. What has that done for the brand filter? What happened after you were crowned last year, picked up the trophy?
2: um, For for us, it was our first comp. That's not my first comp. I've been judging and brewing for a long time, but for, for me as filter which is, is part of my... I'm part owner of it as well, as well as head brewer. Um, I put the beers in purely to benchmark. That was it. That was it. I had no idea that anything was going to come out of it. I wanted judges' feedback because I trust that. And that goes back to exactly what you're saying. People put beers in these competitions because they trust the integrity of the competition. And maybe um, for the brewers in the room,
0: talk us through what, fe- what, what form does the feedback take um, when you get the results?
2: Um. It it, it used to be that you would get the actual written notes from each judge and I used to pour all over that. I would really go through it. But now you just get the collective notes from the table. Um, So it... it, um, And what we try and do, we try and, um, you know, we try and actually put it out there. So it had this fault and this fault but it was actually really great here and it had good aroma. It just might have been an aged sample so... And then you, you don't really suggest too much about, oh, try fermenting at 21 degrees as opposed to 28 or something like that. You try and stay away from that because don't, that's not assume, what we're here for. Yeah,
0: yeah. don't assume what's caused the fault. So
2: instead of that, yeah, we might say possible fermentation issues. So then it's up to the brewer to go back and, and, and go through their process. And I think all of that, rather than being given the answer, all of that makes you a better brewer because it makes you go through your process and through your steps and break it down and go, right, well, fermentation oh shit, and then you'll go, you might even find it, I've found too, that, um, you know, someone's setting the set temp to 24 instead of 18, and you're like, why are you doing that, everyone else is doing it like this, and so I just thought that, so then you, then you think, right, oh, we need SOPs, and then, so it kind of builds on all of that, the feedback really helps tighten up your brewery, and I know as a judge, whenever I come back from judging these things, I always go back into the brewery and go, right, and, because I've also got, you know, a bunch of fellow peers on tap that I can talk to about different things, and uh, and I always generally go back into the brewery and, and you know, just fine-tune some things or just go over things, talk to the brewers about how they're feeling and and what's going on. But um, on, on your point there, yeah, putting the beers in for me last year was a benchmark. Um,
0: so this year have you entered the same beers?
2: Uh, yes, I think I've added uh, the stout this time. Yep. I don't think I had the stout last so year. So are
0: you keen to sort of see not only have my beers, I guess, maintained, but have they improved based on the judges feedback or you, so you're you're not just benchmarking against the other xpa or australian style pale ales you're also benchmarking against how your australian style pale ale went last year
2: yeah absolutely and to be honest with you i think last year's beer was better okay yeah so i um i'm and that you kind of get stuck in that world but then you but then you've got to think just forget about it. This is about it is because you get. I got one of my colleagues, um, one of my business partners. He and he's he's a shit stirrer, he, he but he's like, oh, I've written i written my uh, speech already. We never let him talk. <laughs> um, but he's like, but he always kind of does that, and he and I I get really um, I get really anxious around that because I don't, um, I, don't I don't need to feel that pressure. Um, but if if we can come back with you know, I'm happy if my beers get you know bronze, silver, uh, a bronze in you know. Means you've got some, a little bit of work to do.
0: Well, particularly if you're in a category that's got a couple of hundred entries. Oh yeah, yeah. It'd be good enough to to have well, we been took trophy. We
2: took trophy last year, and I think they were out of 220 pale ales, so that's amazing. Yeah. That's and there's some these we're talking from all over the world.
0: And just quickly before we move on to the I guess the consumer side of awards, um, what uh, physically? So what do you get apart from uh, the trophy for winning? And the trophy is only awarded to one beer of all the gold medalists yep. in that category, yep. there's no actual gold medals? Do you actually, like, do you get, like, a gold medal?
2: No, no, slap on the back from your mates, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, certificate. I think. Yeah, we do. But what are the I'd sort of promotional medal, material or marketing Oh, tools? look, that, that's, and, and for us, that's a good, that's a really good question. For us, being our first year, um, that, and, and coming away also with Gypsy Brewers, so that means we scored the highest out of all the Gypsy Brewers across all of our beers um that's that gave us a legitimacy um it gave me a feeling as a brewer that okay i'm on the right track affirmation after 18 years i should be on the right track um but yeah i'm i'm my my own worst critic really so so it does give that affirmation and and being able to to leverage that in the industry as well it kind of it kind of gives – I mean, there's so many breweries opening these days, really, um, and you, you kind of go, oh, Jesus, that one's open, that one's – have you tried their beers? No, 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 no. But then if you've got this award or you've got this Gypsy Award or something like that, and it's like, well, these guys must be doing something all right. So I think it pushes people to to find out, find your beers and, and try your beers. It gives you that, like I said, that kind of leg up a little.
0: And from a consumer viewpoint, have you got either permission or um, some sort of uh, marketing tool to advertise that you are a – like permission to use the, yep, the logo yep on a whether it's a tap L, you can put it on your anything uh, social media any of posts. our advertising
2: it's got to stay within the guidelines obviously of the ARBAs and the RAS um, uh, which they give us guidelines um, so it can't be misused but yeah absolutely we we would use it on not all of our marketing because some of our campaigns don't don't have a place for it but definitely when we're talking about our beers and and um, how you know how proud we are of them and tap deckles and all sorts of stuff, yeah, yeah. We don't always do it. We don't always kind of put it on everything, but you know, definitely your, your PR kits. Uh, you know, when you when you talk about the credibility, especially if you're talking to the banks as well. If um, oh, okay. yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, because they want to know you're serious. It doesn't matter. You it doesn't matter how you know. They want to know that you're serious, and they want to know that. They're investing in a business that's not just gonna flop six months down the track. So that's been that's been a really good tool for, so for us to w- leverage walk as well Walking with
0: a business plan and a trophy.
2: <laughs> yeah. So what's the problem? Money. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is really important. Yeah, creds. It's your resume. It's your brewery's resume.
0: Now I've been blessed, honoured, and very fortunate to have been taken upstairs and into the inner sanctum where Mountain Goat keeps all of their many, many trophies that they've been awarded over twenty-two years. Not on public display. They're very um, there's a lot of pride, but it's not something that you necessarily... And this is where I'm getting, I guess, towards how important are the awards from a consumer point of view? Because it's one thing to say the pat on the back and amongst your peers to say, no, that that, that girl can brew or you know, that brewery have, have really improved over, over the years. But how important is it for, I guess, the average punter to come out and say, I'm choosing... They're all about the same price, they're all sort of similar. Oh, this one's got a, a medal on it.
3: Um, I don't know. Just like having all the trophies together in one place, it's uh, it's, it's security, isn't it? Big effect. Um, yeah, you don't want them walking out the door. Um, I know who designed the AIBA, the Australian International Beer Award trophies, um, but they are fantastic bottle openers. We discovered at the dinner last night. Not convinced that, that genius, was an, an interview. Michael,
0: was that a? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah no,
3: that was um, One of our brewers took it home to sleep with it last year. Uh, it, it does have a couple sharp edges. Oh, that morning. had some really sharp yeah. edges. <laughs> yeah. They after the awards, they they were in pride of place behind the bar for a long time. Uh, we had the RSV, can I the um, decals on the taps, the blackboard behind our tap room. Um, all of our taps said Australian International Beer Awards, gold medal, silver medal. We had that and silver and bronze. Like Sam was saying too, um, the. Having judged several years, I still get chuffed around the silvers and bronzes because um, I know the amount of discussion that goes into every single beer. And silvers, actually silvers a bit, Silver. it's, it falls in that really tight margin. Yeah. Um, it, it, it means you've, you've made some solid beers, so we're, we're proud of all those, um, all those medals. Um, the certificates we've had over the years uh, are framed up. We're waiting for our walls to be repainted, and then we're just going to cover the walls in uh, RESV uh, certificates. So it'll be another... Nice little space to walk into, um, and certainly when we've got those we've got those trophies up, we've got the medals um, mentioned behind our taps. Um, it does draw people to those beers.
0: Tina, anything else to add on the the consumer side of things?
1: I think the with regards to the consumers, I think they they want some sort of acknowledgement of um, the beers that they're purchasing, and I think the the drive to sort of build that momentum of Um, These beers are award-winning medals and the the communication that goes behind um, understanding that it's a a number of different industry um, experts and representatives that come from brewing, from uh, journalism, from you know sensory education and all that, they're really into it um, quite seriously. And being able to sort of assess the beers for the merit according to a beer-style guideline, consumers want to know, is this a pale ale? Is this an IPA? And it really reinforces the characteristics and the styles of those beers and it helps to ad- educate um, consumers so that I think... You know, we've done a great job of producing really top-notch quality beers in Australia. I think that's one thing that I find really engaging is that there are very few beers. I, I know you mentioned some faults. This year, I, I can't... I think it's probably the one year that I found that there are, you know, minimal faults. It was either for one reason or another... Yeah. Yep. One reason or another within the style guidelines that they may have missed out on a gold or whatever, but um, I think it reinforces that... The bees that we're producing in Australia and that we're importing or that are represented in one way or another are really, really good quality and... People can use that as an education tool to expand what I was saying before, you know, take them, take themselves through that journey of going from, say, your classic lagers or your contemporary beers that are really quite simple and subtle and stuff like that and exploring the field of craft and exploring the field of IPAs and what does an IPA mean? And if it's a gold medal winning or silver or bronze, that's a good example. So I think it really does – it can. It does and it can, you know, build towards consumer education.
3: And if I could add on to that too, um, when you see a beer that's not yours come back with a, a gold medal or a trophy, you go seek out that beer as a brewer and yeah. say, what is this guy – what is this brewer doing? And And again, benchmark the beers you're making against what they're making – Say okay. How can I improve? How can I be as good as what she's brewing here? So
0: there's yeah. There's no sort of there's there's no more benefit to the consumer or I guess to um, to the to the brewers themselves. And I think the story that illustrates it most beautifully for me. And um, I was um, honoured and blessed to, to have been able to host a couple of the presentation awards dinners in the past. And I think my favourite moment was when we handed the trophy over to old mate. I can't remember his name now, but from Dargon um, Brewery. He'd been entering his beers for, I'm, I'm going to say, 10 or 11 years. He, here's the story, um, Sam. So he uh, got up and accepted an award and he took the microphone and in the, in the quietest, most humble voice um, and, and fairly broken English, but he, he said, uh, for a decade, I, I've sent my beers to the AIBAs and they tell me how bad my beer is. Now, he could have thrown his toys out of the cot, chucked his bike into the bush and said, well, stuffy, you don't know beer, I'm just going to keep making it the same. But he said, so I changed my brewery, I listened to what they said and then he was up there accepting the award for Champion International Brewery, Champion Large International Brewery two years ago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's proof positive, that's actual concrete evidence that, you know, um, A, the awards are, have that integrity but also have that, I guess, you know, constructive criticism... Can actually, you know, if you if you uh, work on it, take it to heart, um, and say, okay, I'll you know I'll put it in action, success can come. Yeah. Um, I think we might because we've got about twenty minutes to go. Throw over to you guys because I'm sure there are there are questions, particularly from um, established brewers and perhaps from brewers who have never entered uh, beers. In a competition like this before, and are wondering, okay, what's all the fuss about? Why should I do it? Hopefully, we've explained enough about the the procedure. But if, as I say, if there's anything else that we haven't covered, please let us know and just pop your hand up. Tim from Wild Polly in Canberra. So you've been listening, Tim. You've been here. This is Tim's I think fourth or fifth panel. So welcome. Yes. Thank you. Um, are there any categories that are, are really ex- either expanding in in their total numbers, or are there or are there some categories that you probably maybe not even expanding in numbers that you really haven't had many entries in that area before that are suddenly on your radar that are saying, oh, that's a different style that's a few people are starting to do. And actually, that's probably a perfect question for Tina because yeah. the one thing we haven't got into too much is the uh, industry advisory panel. Uh, is there so the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria? coordinates how the, the competition is run, but they, they don't make up the rules. They, in conjunction with a panel, of which Tina is a senior member, um, go through things like what new styles or, you know. So Talk us through that, Tina.
1: You know, I just have to say I'm hearing senior more and more lately and I'm <laughs> just not liking it.
0: Experienced.
1: Anyway, <laughs> um, some of the styles that we found that are growing and every year we'll review post the uh, the, bureau, the judging and the awards, we'll review the styles that have been entered into the competition, the growth of different styles and the review whether or not some of the styles need their own category, for example. What I think has really grown in the last few ways is a few years is the expansion of palaels and how diverse palaels have become with the introduction of neepers and, you know, a and, and number of different ones. Sours, I've been a, a fan of Berliner Weiss for, I don't know, going on 10, 15 years easily and it's really in, encouraging to see that that's a style that is starting to make some waves and it although you know still quite small it is really starting to resonate with a wide range of um, consumers and industry people and, and the way in which, um, brewers are becoming creative. So there are a number of different styles, the way in which we're using hops, the way in which we're encouraging hop growers and our, um, raw materials, uh, providers in expanding their, their opportunities, their innovation and their, you know, leading into sort of, um, providing a diverse range of flavours is really starting to show through, um, in the awards themselves, in the categories that we're seeing across the table.
0: And when we talk categories, categories are, are kind of like the, if you like, the base style yep. and some will have just the one or two subcategories or classifications, but some will have uh, more and more and each year those are the ones that are either added or merged into yeah, others. Yeah,
2: correct. Just a, just a quick one on the end of that too, which I think is really important. For many, many years, there were two categories that quite often would come with no trophies, which has changed completely and that would be reduced alcohol... And um, gluten free, so I think there was a couple of years where we actually just wiped gluten free and didn't have that as, as a category, but now reduced alcohol. You look at re- the reduced alcohol beers going around now, and there's some amazing stuff out there. But go back probably five, six years ago, and there wouldn't be there wouldn't even be a trophy awarded for it, and there might be five or six entries, and you know. Carlton Mid or, you know, it'll be all your mainstream stuff. But now there's a lot of breweries out there doing some really good reduced alcohol beers, some amazing reduced alcohol beers. We've also got some, um, you know, older breweries that are actually stepping up now. So, you know, I'm not going to mention name names, but we've got some breweries before that were just making it. But now they're actually starting to use ingredients and, and being able to use ingredients that can actually benefit them in their beers. And they're starting... I've got a couple of glut- glutard mates, which they call themselves... Um, and they are absolutely amazed with what's coming out at the moment and they're just like now finally, finally we can we can enjoy beer uh, rather than just have whatever it is that, you know, we have to have because we want to have a beer. Yeah.
1: Um, the other – I'm just going to take the AIBA hat off and put the CUB hat on but not – that it's a promotion, but it's to your point how much we're expanding um, the the use of the awards is providing some leverage into not only expanding within the realms of craft or different, you know, consistent styles. It is things like reduced alcohol, zero alcohol and, you know, looking at ways in which we can broaden that you know, repertoire of beers that consumers can have for a number of different reasons. So that's a really good, you know, point to pick up on how we're looking at the needs of the consumers without... We're being proactive rather than reactive and the the awards, the the whole process, helps enable some of that research and some of that trend mapping that can help... uh, that can support that.
0: And Tina, I still can't believe that CUB hasn't put out a sealy yak. Well... (laughs) Take it to marketing. Thank me later. Um...
2: I think it's been and done, yeah. No, but that was silly yeah. yak though.
0: And that wasn't part of the yak ales. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, question here from uh, Richard Jeffers from Two
3: Bays Brewing. So it just follows on from the gluten-free conversation and, and I guess the gluten-free, we're now using different malts or different flavour profiles compared to the barleys and do the judging um, make any allowance? Because obviously the judges don't generally drink beers made out of millet, buckwheat or rice or sorghum syrups or whatever it might be. Or, is it just guarant- or do you, you classify it against the pale ale style, if it's a pale ale gluten-free versus a pale ale um, barley-based?
1: That does come into consideration. And look, it, because of the naivety or the the uh, early nature of some of these beers, you've got to put everything in context. But I, I can honestly say hand on heart, um, the judges that we have on the panels, and this, if it's a new judge or an associate judge, that's part of their learning curve. But part of that whole process is understanding what what's what 's coming up next so we, we do judge to style guidelines, and if the base style is a pala, for example, that will come into consideration. but we, you know we recognize that there are air, gray areas, and we recognize that there are, there's that creativity and innovation by the brewer that 's helping develop and create. These categories. So I think first and foremost, we always instruct. Um, you know, the whole the the advisory committee will always instruct that people start off with a twenty yep. when they're scoring. And if there's you know technical faults, style faults, or style you know misalignment, whatever, will come into play. But then overall, you're looking at a beer. Every beer has been entered based on the fact that they that the brewer or whoever's entering it thinks that that has merit for a medal award winning beer. So don't ju- don't increase. I've always suggested to the panel that I sit at, um, don't increase your scores. Don't add if you don't think something's right. Subtract because assume that it's a twenty out of twenty, and that in that regard, you're looking at the whole beer. You're looking at the whole entry based on its individual components and making an assumption overall. So you're not penalising it because it's not true because it's a gluten free beer and it doesn't actually you know specifically. Um, fit the parallel style description, but it's within that realm.
0: And this is probably a perfect time, too, to, um, I guess, reinforce the fact that the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria um, is best placed, I guess, to administer something like the Australian International Beer Awards, because at the end of the day, we're talking about raw ingredients, we're talking about agriculture, we're talking about beers grown in a field, not, you know, built in a factory. Um, and so I think that's one of the things too that um, certainly on Brews News and the the last few podcasts leading up to the the awards and we'll probably talk about it afterwards is that it's trying to share that with the consumer that you're not drinking something that's, you know, made in a... Manufactured. it's actually grown in a field and and whether that's... And so to Richard's point, yeah, we we didn't have any gluten-free beers on any of the panels I was on this year but in the past it's what does it taste like as a beer? You're drinking the beer... If you like overall, so um, and, and a lot of judges have different ways. Like Tina said, you know, some some judges will start at zero and and add points as they as they drink them. Others will start with the twenty, which I think is the better way to go. The glass half full or completely full, and then take off points for various errors, if you like. Um, but then other brewers will sort of say a, a bronze medal should be, you know, um, yeah, fill that up. Like a, I'd like a, a bigger serve of that. Um, two would be uh, a silver medal is I'll order a second one. And gold is I'm going to tell my mates to to get that beer. So that's kind of, I guess, the way we take it out of the, the number system. Because at the end of the day, we're judging something that is designed to put a smile on people's face when they drink it. So does that work? Did it do it for me? Yeah, you know, gold think- medal
1: the other point that i was going to take uh, pick up on on that regard is that something that Sam picked up uh, mentioned earlier in preparation to these awards is the week beforehand is a you know a time that we prepare but it's also we live breathe drink. you know drink love this industry and i think when you're in this industry new degree you're in it for life and it it don't it's not just a job it's a passion and it's a and an investment so our research is day-to-day. So we'll look at things like, you know, what do oats contribute to a beer? And you might be out in public and you'll try it because in the back of your mind, you're investing in part of your own education and you're investing in part of your own development and understanding of what you know you're going to be delivering um, longer term.
0: Any other questions, either on the process or on the consumer side of things, how the medals are awarded, how do I get a free ticket to the awards...
1: Don't ask us what our favorite beer is.
3: <laughs> I'm just interested uh, around the table you then uh, judge it and then how does the beer then move up to a second round or a, or a okay, whatever.
1: Yeah. Okay, they're in, uh, oh, do you mind me? No no go, go, okay. Go. Um,
0: you're the senior one. <laughs> experience experience.
1: Um, there are she's still got
0: com- taste buds, so we know she's under <laughs> yeah. sixty-five. The, the reason
1: is, to, I don't
2: know, for <laughs> oh, you that don't know, doesn't know tennis, she's probably one of the best sensory people I- in throughout Australasia. Like we, I think every single person Once that is in that judging room looks up to her. In Australia. Yeah. So, so that's why we're happy to let her go, and she's the perfect person to answer that question. Hundred yeah, percent. What
0: was the question? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so a beer is judged, it's determined to be a gold medal, yeah, the what's process the process
1: within, there? Within a, um, the Australian International Beer Awards, we've got the, uh, and I, I honestly think it's a privilege and an advantage of awarding the flight of beers that you've got on your table within that category, awarding beers, a gold, silver or... or bronze. Um, in a number of other competitions, for example the World Beer Cup you'll be tasting a number of uh, different flights and they'll move, the judging panel will move, will take the best three out of that flight and move it into the next round. The next round will then be judged with the best three um, beers out of that category and by another table and then it's a the price of elimination until they get to The gold, the silver and the bronze. One of each. One of each. So say, for example, in the last World Beer Cup, there were 377, I don't know why I remember numbers, but 377 IPAs and one got a gold, one got a silver and one got a bronze. So it's almost like the Olympics, the best of the best. And that doesn't mean
0: to say that 374 got shit sandwiches. Correct. They still could have been really good beers, but only one...
1: Yeah. Only three are recognised. Which I find is, you know, th- then you know that that beer is the best of that category. But what happens to the rest of them? Which is why I, I personally like the Australian International Beer Awards. Because you, you've you got the ability to recognise beers that are gold medal standard. And then it's a process of moving them into the, the trophy round. The best of the
0: best. Yeah, yeah. I, We had a, a situation where three beers in a row, and it's never happened to me before, but back to back to back, three golds. But they were all co- same style but completely different interpretations or tastes, taste profiles, flavour profiles, but they were all faultless. Um, and you you almost, like it would have been unfair on two of those beers to say that's the gold one and the other two, you know, and one's silver and one's bronze. Um, so then the all of the gold medal beers will then go into a separate um, round called the trophy round and then
1: with different judges,
0: yeah. So a, a panel of, of separate judges, or different, you know, hand, so not not just with the, the one table. Uh, and then all of those beers will be in silence and without debate or collaboration. Uh, say there are five beers, you'll rank them zero to four, so zero, one, two, three, four, six, seven judges, and then those numbers are, are collated. So. And they, um, one thing we probably haven't touched on, um, and it's not the elephant in the room or anything like that, but at the end of the day, beer is a very subjective pastime. It's, it's not a... It, it can be... It has elements of technical and science, but at the end of the day, I really like that one. You really like that one. I'm not right and you're not wrong. Um, we're both right. It's just, it's just different, so... Um, Tina's usually right. But Tina... I'll always defer to Tina. <laughs> always. Um, because she's senior. But the, the thing is that those numbers then are collated through... And one of the those best beers, any of which could, well, you know, well-deservingly hold the trophy. But then one will be given the trophy, and then the third round is all of the trophy-winning beers are then all tasted, and the top and uh, the selected judges. So you've got an arc, you've probably all seen in the... That's hard. Yeah, that's the tricky bit because you're going from everything from, you're starting off with a reduced alcohol lager, a bohemian style pilsner through to a barrel aged stout and the judge's chore or duty is to determine is that reduced alcohol lager a better example of its style than the Berliner Weiss is of its style or the cherry bourbon barrel stout is of its style. So it's not which is the best beer, but which is the best representation. And out of those, I think 20, 21, 21 different beers, A through to O. it mm. um, was hard. That was we had really to pick hard. five. Five. Um, just on five. the point
1: of uh, you know being subjective, I think. the reason why I often say don't ask me what my favourite beer is is because we do have in this sort of, we might sort of say that there's a as a judge you've got to be objective and you've got to be unbiased and you've got to be look at the true to style characteristics of that to pick that trophy and to pick that grand champion or whatever Um, but you know, not we don't have just a one preference. There's a quite a wide range, so it still is quite objective and an unbiased because you're you're looking at you know there's so many different uh, styles of beers that you do like, and it really is hard to pick a favorite. Um, there are many, so you you really do understand that that beer is the best example of what it should be, and it you know deserves that um, trophy or whatever.
0: And so those the the final all of the trophy winning beers one will be crowned the champion Australian beer and champion international so the highest scoring that happens to come from an Australian brewery and the highest scoring that happens to come from an international brewery will will get the if you like the the trophy trophies so best of best of the best so outside of the um, the judges' decisions uh, all the scores are then collated and then this is where Glenn and his team in the um, in the IT department I don't know. It's just all zeros and ones to me, but to them it's just, it's, you know, it's magic. Um, but those will go through the computer and the highest scoring um, breweries will be awarded in international and in Australian, champion small, champion medium and champion large, and that's based on your... And order. Gypsy. And Gypsy. And gypsy. Um, but by, so Gypsy is based on... So if you, if you brew more beer, it doesn't matter this year to last year, Gypsy is just that you don't
2: own Gypsy is own. I don't have my...
0: But you can be any size.
2: ...facility, but I... Uh, yeah, within within the realms of the RAESV and the AIB guidelines. Yep.
0: Yeah. 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 And then so champion small, medium and large brewery and champion uh, gypsy brewer. And then there's also each year uh, the Gary Shepherd Memorial Trophy for Best New Brewery, which is so one... Is it is Gary...
2: Is that Best Victorian or is that Best New I thought it was exhibitor. Best New Exhibitor.
0: Best New, yeah. Best New yep. Exhibitor.
2: Uh, one last quick
0: question. We've got about two minutes left to go before we have to hand over, but Tim? Um, and there is, obviously, apart from the beer tasting, a lot of people um, look at surveys, people go and buy beer on what they look like, and there is the categories on um, packaging. Um, how are they judged? Good question. That's not done by judges, it's done by packaging experts separate to, to the judging arena, if you like. So, a separate room? Yeah, Michael, would you like to make, put a little bit of some bones around that and maybe even also the, um, the media award, how that's
4: judged? So just on that, with the design awards, so obviously um, we have to get judges that have experience in those areas. Um, so um, the three judges that we choose go through looking at all of the um, design awards, so look at all of the individual ones plus the greater packaging. Um, they go through and score... And then they come together and look at the ones that they've they've scored the best and then work out from that. Again, in a pros in a step-by-step process, pulling their best out and then going through and pulling the best one out of that. So and they're looking for a range of different things with that in terms of the actual look, um, also the usability of it. Um, they're looking at things like the environmental, if it looks if it's sustainable. Um, And how it works together, so how it would look on the shelf. So that's how we select our judges based on their sort of experience. So they're looking at things like how it would look on a shelf and whether they think that that would be impressive to um, the consumers to buy, um, as well as looking at all those other things. Um, Same with the media. Um, We get judges that can look at how those would represent out to the public. So if they're looking at an article that's been submitted, whether that they think that that's um, not just good writing, but also whether it's relevant information, whether it's going out to the right people, is it based for consumers, is it based for brewers? Um, so they're taking in lots of different things into that.
0: I hope that answers that one, Tim. Would you please thank all of our panellists Ian, Tina, and Sam? And I'm sure they would join me in thanking you for taking a little bit of valuable time out of your very busy and very long good beer week um, to come and support us here. Thank you very much to Kegstar for looking after us, to um, Cryer Malt for looking after the Trade Hub, and to um, Brews News, who are providing the um, recording of the podcast. So thanks very much, guys.